0: Live
1: on Fireside. Hello and welcome to Guilty Greeny live here on Fireside from the Climate Collab Auditorium. We are your imperfect hosts. I'm Kate Bagby. And I'm Sarah Ferris. And I don't know about
0: you, but we are tired of perfectionism and trying to live more sustainably. And to be honest, it's a complete minefield out there. In fact, only today, I tried recycling a pill packet. And a quick look on Google suggests, and I quote, the most efficient way to recycle pill packets, wash them first, and then use them in different craft projects. Now, on top of composting, I've got to learn how to incorporate aspirin foils into (laughs) cross-stitch. So let's get real for a minute and focus on what we can achieve, because I don't think my kids will appreciate a Christmas stocking filled with pharmaceutical-themed arts and crafts. Join us as we bear all, we'll share our own guilt, share our own journeys, and just add some levity in our attempts and fails to be more eco-friendly,
1: but in the real world. Right, Kate? Absolutely. And now you have me wondering about pharmaceutical foil cross-stitch. A lot of possibilities for Christmas, I think. (laughs) It's wide (laughs) open. It's Sarah and I. We share our own journeys, the good, the bad, the laughable. And today we are talking all about how to be environmentally friendly even after death.
0: Right, and we should probably give you a little trigger warning. So if you're sensitive about listening to two of us probably slightly irreverently discussing the ultimate upcycling funerals, then it's time to tune out. So how, Kate, would you describe this week's episode? Because
1: it's quite a doozy. It is quite a doozy and it can be quite a sensitive subject, but I would say... You phrased it perfectly when we were talking earlier. It's about cleanly pushing up daisies. Start to finish, how to be environmentally friendly. Mm, Oftentimes when we talk about death, it's very removed from the environmental impact. But as people are becoming more aware of options available to them throughout their living life, many are also now starting to question what their options are after death, but it's still a sensitive topic.
0: Well, yeah, because nobody really wants to think necessarily about their own death. But the reason that I kind of thought this would be a fun topic a couple of weeks ago is we were driving past a cemetery, my husband and I, and we were like, it just seems really inefficient to be using up all of that land just for decomposing, well, bodies essentially. But, you know, religion does play into it. There's certainly constructs around death that we have to kind of fit within. But I think they're kind of breaking down a little bit now in terms of I don't think everybody feels they need to be buried necessarily in a churchyard. What's your thoughts or relationship with the idea of death?
1: I think that's such a tricky question because when we first talked about this topic as a show, this was actually an article that I had been working on for quite some time. And by quite some time, I mean Probably a good six months. And for some reason, I could never just sit down and write it. I had all the information, but there was something blocking me from actually writing the article itself. And Mm -hmm. I wonder, I haven't quite figured it out, but I do wonder if it causes like a tinge of discomfort where then you really do need to start thinking about, you know, what's going to happen. And right, Mm. as you said, no one really wants to think about their mortality but it's an important conversation to have. What's your relationship with it?
0: I have to say, I've got quite a different relationship with death than I did probably a few years ago. So um, I had breast cancer five years ago now. And once I had that, I don't know, like confrontation with death, essentially, I feel a lot freer from it. So I don't have that fear that I think goes with it. I kind of feel like, We're all running out of runway in one way, shape or form. And I'm just really hoping that science is going to play a blinder and alter my genome so that I can just live forever because that would be my favorite thing to do, just to (laughs) torment my children and and their grandchildren and then their grandchildren. Totally unsustainable for the planet, I know, but you know. Oh
1: my gosh. I have to say that is one thing I would never want, to live forever. Never. Really? Mm -mm. No. Why not though? Why not? because most days I'm just tired. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Because, no, you know, jokes aside about kind of modern living, I think, I, yeah, I don't really know. I think I want to be here on earth for a period of time, give back what I can, but also time to pass the baton, time to pass it to future generations without input, without influence from older generations, I think.
0: You are so much less selfish than me. I would, I would just have ultimate FOMO.
1: That's my problem. I don't want to miss out yeah, on your but you never know. There's a party question I always love to ask, which is if you had the ability to either travel back in time or travel into the future as an observer, you couldn't, t- you know, change anything, which would you do? Oh,
0: that is the best question, Kate. Nobody's ever asked me that before. I'm so torn. I'm so torn because part of me wants to go back to sit down with Jesus and just go – Hey, mate, do you realize the impact you're going to have? Uh, you know Muhammad? what's about
1: to happen? Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Heads up. And then I think perhaps the future might be more interesting because that might change my ideas about like, maybe I'd go forward and get the lotto
1: numbers. That's what I'd do. Definitely. You can't change anything. But that's oh. my first thought too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that everybody's <laughs> first thought? No. What would you do?
1: Future. Absolutely future. Because I'll never know mm. the future. And even though I don't have a fantastic grasp on history, I can learn a certain amount of it. Yeah, I can, you know, you can learn whatever you want to learn to the information available, but no one will ever know the future.
0: True. Well, uh, there's one little saying that I think fits well in this episode, and that's there's nothing as certain as death and taxes. And often the death part starts with a ceremony. I don't know about you, but I often have this game where I will hear a really inappropriate song and I'll say to my husband, you better play that at my funeral. That is just the song I want. For example, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I 100% I'm a massive Queen fan. So <gasps> Favorite I would like, band. mine too, didn't know that about you. Mm-hmm. But I've got this vision of me being taken down in the coffin to another one bites the dust and then just everyone just like laughing and thinking, God, you are so inappropriate either in, in death or... There's another really good song by Flight of the Concords. Do you know a song called Not Crying? No. Oh, the lyrics are so funny. It's like, I'm not crying. I'm just cutting onions. I was making a lasagna. And that would also be at my funeral. What about you?
1: So I'm the same as you. I actively have a playlist I've been creating for several years now. <laughs> they include songs like Wake Me Up. Uh, oh, yes. I, I forget who the artist is, though. Yes. I, when I think about... Funerals, my own death, right? I do not want a funeral. I don't want to wake. I want people to have a dinner party, like a really nice dinner party out on the farm, play really good music, read some poetry, have some good laughs. like just celebrate instead of mm-hmm. mourn. I mean, you can mourn through celebrating, I think.
0: Well, yeah, because you want to be remembered. That's the whole point, isn't it? To remember the person for a bit of time. And it just reminds me of the best funeral I've ever been to is my grandmother's. She was 94. She'd had a great innings and she was a really good, hard stick. Oh, she was such a great, great laugh. And uh, at her funeral, all of the grandchildren actually ended up playing games. And, uh, you know, we played survivor and voted each other off the table and we made human pyramids. (laughs) We had arm wrestles. I mean, it got ridiculous by the end of it, but we all had such a good time. We knew that she would have been looking down or whatever your belief system is. We knew that she would approve that this was our last moments to honor her, really. Having fun was the message that we wanted to leave her with. And we did. Yeah. So that's how death starts. But then there's the problem with the body disposal. I'm just going to put it out there.
1: Yeah. And I feel like another disclaimer on this show, Sarah and I will probably inadvertently use language that is maybe not the most delicate, non-intentional. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can 100% tell
0: you I will be indelicate in this topic. So there's quite a few options, right?
1: There are a lot of options. But before we dig into... Oh, nice. The eco-burial option. Sorry, but was
0: there a deliberate pun, the digging in? Or did you just miss that?
1: No, I did miss that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Love
1: it. Uh, Before we do... That, though, typically, most people think there are two options or two predominant options, I should say, for how your body can be dealt with after death. The first is a traditional burial. So we're thinking like embalming and caskets. And then the second is cremation. And Sarah, another personal question, until mm-hmm. we go through the options,
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: have you thought about either of those two options and do you lean one way or another?
0: If I only have those two to choose from, then I'll probably go the cremation and then make my children do a world trip scattering me in fabulous places. That would be probably my ideal out of those two options. But there is another option that I do like the idea of, and that's to be made into like a tree or something.
1: There's some foreshadowing for you. We are going to get to that one.
0: I I don't know much about it, so I am interested to find out. What about you?
1: I feel like you and I are cut from the same cloth because same I always thought cremation for me that would be the way to I mean not go after I go cremated <laughs> yeah yeah um but I had thought over my life I wanted to accumulate contacts from every single country in the world and then I don't know if this is possible or not so please no one try this without checking with state and you know different laws around the world I wanted to send a part of my ashes to a contact in every single one of those countries so they could scatter it in what they think is the most beautiful place there. Oh, that's such a great idea. I like that. I feel like there's a business opportunity there for someone.
0: Can you post your ashes, though?
1: I don't know. Don't be sending powder around the world without tracking.
0: No, definitely not.
1: Okay, so let's talk about environmental. Let's start with what's called conventional burial. So we're talking caskets, plot in a cemetery, buried, and another small asterisk on this. Most of this, actually all of this, is going to be U.S.-centric for numbers and for options available. There are different options available in different countries, but it vastly differs. And I was not going to go down that rabbit hole. But here are the main ones. Fair enough. So in the US right now, around 35% of people choose conventional burials. So this number is actually going down and mm, cremations have been on the rise, but then we're also seeing an influx of individuals interested in green burials. So right now, 35%, the average cost is around eight to $10,000.
0: Wow. That was going to be my next question because is it going down because it's so expensive?
1: There's a lot of talk on that. In the US, there's a lack of transparency in the funeral industry, and I'm sure people will have their opinions on that. But on a whole, there's a lack of transparency and prices are not the same from town to town, state to state. People can, and it definitely happens, that they are financially taken advantage of when they are arguably in one of their most emotional states and this is also why people will plan out their own funerals ahead of time to prevent that distress on family members
0: but is there one way though that's overall cheaper than the other because i'm imagining like cremation you're paying for you know casket and then the burning of the body but you're not paying for land essentially like you are with a plot
1: so cremation can cost anywhere from five to eight thousand whereas traditional burial is eight to ten And those are rough numbers. Again, there are Mm. definitely going to be places where it is more expensive and there are going to be places where it is least expensive or cheaper. Traditional or conventional burials. How the process generally works is the individual is embalmed. And I'm going to start going into the environmental factors of why conventional burials are not great. Embalming involves filling the body with a cocktail of different preservatives these include formaldehyde phenol methanol glycerin and others and you know where this is going sarah because we've talked about we've talked about chemicals on in other Mm. shows all of those uh can be quite toxic right so so, but
0: why 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 do you do that like surely your body just breaks down why do you have to pump it full of something to try and not let it break down? Isn't that fighting against nature anyway?
1: Well, the main two reasons that it's done today is for uh transport of the body. Okay. And the second reason is um open casket funerals or wakes. Right. Because the body okay. will start to decompose pretty quickly, and so mm. that is predominantly why it's been done. All of those different chemicals, for instance, formaldehyde, phenol, and um methanol, can all cause skin, eye, nose, and throat irritation. At high levels, some of them can cause cancer. At other high levels or long exposure, it can cause kidney damage, tremors, convulsions. Now, of course, if you're dead, that doesn't matter to you. But… You might be if taking you are.
0: some mourners down with you is the point if you're putting all that toxin into the environment.
1: Well, so that's the thing. One, mm. we do have to think of funeral directors and embalmers. They take precautions, but being around any kind of toxic chemical like that for long exposure, we know it doesn't necessarily end well. The other issue with the embalming or one of the bigger issues with embalming is that embalming fluids that are not use or that leak out of the body during the embalming process, that often goes into the public wastewater system through the sewers.
0: That is so
1: grim. It does go through filtration systems, (laughs) but I don't know about you. I don't really Mm. feel like that's probably the best thing to be dumping chemicals into our water.
0: No. So here's the thing, a question. If you wanted to be more eco about your disposal <laughs> and you wanted to go f- down the route of being buried you could just skip the embalming part couldn't you
1: absolutely or is it-
0: right so you can actually do that
1: yeah you don't have to be embalmed there's right. nothing in place that says you have to be embalmed
0: and i'm thinking it's cheaper
1: oh i wouldn't imagine i'm just skipping as many
0: steps as i can just, to
1: get just straight to the ground straight to the ground best case scenario you're getting up there and age, just start taking your naps outside do you go <laughs> skip everything Straight to the ground.
0: Put me under a little tree. Yeah, yeah, I like it. A little leaf blanket just to get it started. Yeah, just give me a nice, give me a nice cotton
1: blanket. We're good to go.
2: <laughs>
1: so embalming, right? Step one. Caskets mm-hmm. are step two. Caskets also pretty yeah. nasty. And I'm not talking. We will talk about like the pine box. Mm-hmm. And a little fun fact for that: the pine box is actually. Went out of favor in the United States around Civil War timeframe, which is kind of interesting. Why? Why? That is a whole history book, which I am okay. happy to not recommend a history to
0: podcast, though is it? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I hear where you're going.
1: But the caskets that we know today, which are the four sided. So I did learn this another fun fact: a coffin is six sided, a casket is four-sided, four sided, or has four sides. Obviously, top and bottom. We're not counting those. There's about 1.8 million caskets that are sold in the U.S. every year. It's a lot.
0: That's actually – no, hold on. That's not actually that many, is it? 1.8. Do you know how many yeah. people die?
1: You know what I didn't check is how many people die.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> that's fine. Moving
1: on. Uh, they are either made from wood or metal. Generally, it's a combination. And then they are lined with synthetic fabrics for the most part. That uses – if it, we're talking in terms of resource usage, I'm going to throw some numbers out at you 30 million board feet of hardwoods, 2,700 tons of copper and bronze, 104.2 thousand tons of steel, and 1.6 million tons of reinforced concrete. And we'll get uh, the concrete's part of burial plots. We'll get to that. That means, or roughly works out to, 4 million acres of forest, or enough to build 4.5 million homes.
0: Wow. The thing that's really shocking me is that none of this sounds like it's really going to decompose very easily. Like Mm -hmm. you're almost wrapping something that can decompose and all the elements to stop it decomposing.
1: Oh yeah, it gets worse. Yeah, it, it gets worse. So the caskets use varnishes, sealers, preservatives, metals. These can be incredibly toxic because they use chemicals like methyl and xylene and Several casket manufacturers, the EPA has gone after them for industrial waste sites. So essentially, they're heavy polluters into the environment around them, including the groundwater. And at one point, and I couldn't find the exact date on this, but casket manufacturers were listed as one of the top 50 hazardous waste generators by the EPA.
0: Wow. Yeah, Yeah. there's nothing good about that.
1: Remember I talked about the concrete, right? So concrete Mm. is 1.6 million tons of reinforced concrete. I actually didn't know this, that most burial plots have what's called a burial vault or a grave liner. Did you know this?
0: What does that mean? No. Of
1: course I didn't know that. Essentially, it's a structure generally made from concrete, metal, or um, polystyrene, which is a hard plastic. And it's put into the grave site before the coffin is lowered into it. Really? Yeah, to reinforce the sides. You can do like concrete caskets themselves or what's very typical are what's called grave liners. That was really interesting.
0: Well, I mean, I've just got the vision of the old grave digger guy doing the six foot hole or whatever. I don't ever remember seeing a liner in it. That's weird.
1: I don't ever remember seeing a liner, but if I think back to the funerals I've been to, the uh, burial site was always lined with like a green faux grass. You never actually saw the dirt. Yes,
0: that's so true. Yes, yes, yes. You're right. Yeah, totally.
1: So now we're adding plastic on top of that too. So great. This is just getting just. I mean, this is just not
0: the way forward.
1: The reason they do these burial vault or grave liners is over time. Mm. Body does decompose even with embalming, the caskets do deteriorate. It's a very long process. Without the burial vaults, the soil on top and around will actually collapse into the uh coffin itself, casket itself. So it will create a depression in the ground above. I and understand. cemeteries don't want that because how are you gonna mow your pristine green, you know, oh. green acres?
0: Okay. Well, I think that this just sounds like the most nuts way that we could go because (laughs) we're not even letting people decompose. It's just everything is against us decomposing.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And as it does break down, there was an article, I think it was out of one of the southern states where flooding had happened and the caskets had been lifted out of the ground. There were some... Studies done after, and they actually found there was a pretty high rate of um, toxic chemicals in the water as a result of the bodies being exposed to it. So that goes back to the embalming. And then mm. let's just top this off. Let's just put some icing on this cake. <laughs> when we think of a typical cemetery, we think of, you know, headstones lined up, very green. Maybe there's a couple of mm. trees. It requires so much water and so many synthetic and chemical fertilizers. To keep it looking that way. And of course, then that runs into the waterways and seeps into the soil as well, which harms wildlife, yeah. things like bees, which are already in decline. Yeah, right.
0: Well, wow. <laughs> it's the nail in the coffin, ironically.
1: I'd say, I don't know if this show's going to get more depressing, but I mean, it's, we're talking about <laughs> death, so.
0: <laughs> that, yeah, I mean, that is totally dead in the water that one. I'm going to use as many death puns as I can, obviously.
1: (laughs) Someone keep count of (laughs) this.
0: I think I'm up to two. Kate's got one in there as well from earlier, so up to three. Uh, Tell me about cremation.
1: Cremation was really not accepted until the early to mid 1900s. It was widely introduced in the late 1800s, but the Catholic Church was absolutely adamant that it Should never be used because it was complete disrespect for the body. And we're going to see the Catholic Church come up again in a more eco-friendly manner. They're now against that as well. Eventually, they got behind cremation. And now it is the most common form of, how do I say this? I want to say disposal. body disposal. Yeah. <laughs> Just go
0: for it. Embrace disposal. it. Uh,
1: and in the UK and Canada, around 70% of people choose cremation. In the US, it's 60 to 70%. In the 1960s, that number was only 3%. So it's grown in popularity. And right. some countries, it's over 90%.
0: It's interesting because I was brought up Catholic and I don't think I've ever been to a cremation of anyone in my family. It's all still been... In the the terribly uneco grave plot. Interesting how religion affects how we dispose of the body. It's all part of the ceremony.
1: Very much so. And different religions actually have very eco friendly methods for burial or, you know, end of life or not end of life, afterlife for an individual. Mm -hmm. I was not raised Catholic. Uh, I was raised Protestant, but I also have never had a family member that was cremated. Mm. My parents, on the other hand, have said that's what they would want. So I'm curious to see if that's going to be the first generation in my family that's choosing something different. And now a
0: word from our
1: sponsors. Mens rea, the guilty mind. It's the intent needed to prove certain crimes, such as murder. Join me, your host Sinead, as I explore the stories of missing women, abusive husbands, jealous brothers, and the silence of the Irish countryside. Then follow these stories to the historic buildings of the UK and Ireland for the legal argument to prove guilt. Mens Rea releases new episodes every second Sunday, so for true crime from the Emerald Isle, join me. And until then... Don't do anything I wouldn't do.
0: If you're loving all this free content and thinking, how can I support the podcast? Well, one way is to support our sponsors like this one. I don't know about you, but I love smoothies. But I don't love smoothie bar prices. BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or my favourite, even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. The battery lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB C cable. Best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. It has over 30 plus colors and patterns to choose from, which makes them an awesome present. Go to blendjet2.com and grab yours today and be sure to use the promo code FERRIS12 to get 12% off and free two-day shipping. That's Ferris, as in my last name, F for frog, E-R-R-I-S for sugar, 12. Whatever way you remember it, Ferris 12 into the website. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Plus as a bonus it's a great way to support the podcast and if you can't remember Ferris 12 go to the show notes and click the link. Okay environmental
1: impact cremation. Mm -hmm. Here we go. The body needs to be heated to 1200 degrees Fahrenheit minimum right around there. The average cremation uses the amount of energy and has the same emissions as about two tanks of gas in the average car. And I think it worked out to like a 500 mile trip via vehicle. Okay. So it's a lot of emissions and energy usage.
0: It's more expensive
1: than two tanks of gas, I'd like (laughs) to point out. Well, not if uh, gas prices keep going up. Oh, that's true. (laughs) The average cremation has scrubbing filters or systems to remove heavy metals that are released from the body. The most common is mercury, and that uh, generally comes from dental fillings, but also general accumulation in the body
2: just Mm -hmm. over our
1: lives. Not every uh, crematorium uses the same type of systems. I don't even believe all of them use them. What the filtration systems don't do is neutralize the CO2 emissions. So it pumps a lot of greenhouse gases out into the air. The estimate for total CO2 output is around 360,000 metric tons each year in the United States. Mm. So it's a lot. And then it also relies on predominantly natural gas. So we're using a fossil fuel to. Yeah.
0: The thing that really is odd, isn't it? We are nutrients. We are made up of molecules that could then become nutrients for something else. And the way that we've chosen to dispose of ourselves is basically to rob the earth of that and both those methods. Because when you burn something and you're left with ash, how good is that for the environment?
1: We are made up of natural elements. The body is about 70% water. That can go back into creating a healthy environment, working in a closed loop system. We've just completely, as you mentioned, removed ourselves from that. In my opinion, it's I feel like I'm going to get myself in trouble with this, but I'm just going to say it. I feel like when we remove ourselves from the environment, we're playing God and having dominion over everything else instead of understanding our role in giving back.
0: So the cremation overall, what's your feeling on it?
1: Now that I know the green options, it's a nay for me. Yeah. What okay. about you? Well, for me, it's a nay, but I'm yet to
0: hear something that's a Yay.
1: Let's start going into the options. The good news is right around 54% of Americans are now considering green burials. That's great. That's a big number. And it's growing. There is still a lot of confusion in terms of what is and is not allowed. This Mm. does depend on your local and state laws. So green burials on a whole are allowed across the United States. Certain types of green burials may not be allowed in certain states.
0: Okay. When you say green burials, can you give us an overview of what might constitute a green burial? Yes.
1: Yeah, so let's do this. I'm going to give you a couple different options and then you tell me which one you want to dig down into. How's that?
0: Stop <laughs> yeah? with the digging. I'm loving it. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. God, we are
1: just, we're buried under options right now. Oh, aren't we? Stop there it, it is.
0: <laughs> We're up to five, I think.
1: Okay, we talked about this a little bit. Barrel with no embalming. Then you can use a simple wooden casket, a cardboard container, or a shroud. So a casket that's not treated, talking like simple pine box, but then they also have caskets made out of seagrass or banana leaves or recycled pulp. There's a lot of different options out there. There's a lot of different manufacturers, but again, you can also use a simple shroud as well.
0: If you're going to go the burial route, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? Don't go getting yourself filled with formaldehyde and making it super hard for yourself (laughs) to break down. Makes sense. Exactly.
1: In terms of burials, they have a loop mushroom pod or a cocoon, and then there's also a mushroom, what's called infinity suit.
0: I need to know more about this because I can't even understand what that is. What's What's a loop mushroom pod? Let's start with that.
1: So Loop is the name of the company. As far as okay. I'm aware, they are the only ones manufacturing this right now. They make caskets that are grown from mycelium, from fungus. Think mushrooms. The casket oh. itself is made through growing uh, mycelium in these molds. Okay. It's compressed essentially the mycelium is inactive until the individual is buried lowered into the ground think traditional burial but no burial liners just you in the mushroom cocoon in the ground once the container the cocoon is exposed to groundwater moisture in the ground the mycelium actually becomes activated as the body's breaking down The mycelium network then starts to grow and work with the local environment and the nutrients from the body help to strengthen that.
0: So you don't turn into a mushroom. That's what I was imagining that you would then be in some little, I don't know, you'd become a little fungi stack.
1: No, I mean, you help it grow. and I guess you could argue that as your body breaks down into organic compounds, yes, in a way you do.
0: Right. But it's more that the fact that it's like a casket that's made out of the mushroom substance versus uh, me wearing a mushroom bodysuit. Disappointing.
1: And well, mm. so 92% of all plant species rely or work with microorganisms such as mycelium, which is why it's incredibly important to help your local environment through. Methods like that.
0: When I say disappointing, I just mean it's disappointing from a comedy factor. I was imagining that I was getting myself <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, having to make my pallbearers walk down the aisle holding a giant me in a mushroom suit.
1: I was just thinking of the poor foragers out there, you know, <laughs> getting, getting their mushrooms for dinner like, or
0: oh, mushroom with little toe. Ugh,
1: oh god! Oh, stop. okay. This is gone. Tip this is we've a taken. Too far? We've taken. <laughs> Sorry. Moving on. Check with your local... Foragers. uh, (laughs) No, not foragers. (laughs) Check with your local, uh, you know, zoning laws. A lot of states, actually, most states, I believe, now have uh, green cemeteries. You can bury yourself in a green cemetery, which is, well, not yourself, but you know what I mean.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, That process takes about 30 to 45 days until the body is decomposed and back one with the earth. 45 days oh that's nice yeah oh and i didn't put pricing on that one i do have pricing for everything else for the mushroom one yeah for the pod well i'm liking the mushroom pod that's up there so what's next let's stick with mushrooms then the infinity Mm -hmm. suit i don't know how to say the name of this company it's c-o-e-i-o oh i just want to start singing (laughs) old mcdonald how to farm E-I-E-I-O. C-O-E-I-O. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, the Infinity suit costs uh, around $1,500. Right. And yeah. this was actually the brainchild of an MIT student who was looking at sustainable packaging and then went into well, essentially zero waste design. The suit like the cocoon, is made completely of mushrooms and other microorganisms.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. It's custom made. And what it essentially does is it helps to neutralize any toxins found in the body and then helps during the decomposition process to transfer the nutrients into the surrounding plant life. Oh, I love that. You can dye in a custom suit. Yeah. Oh, for the fashionista in
0: all of us. (laughs) So mushrooms are really uh, they are doing a lot of heavy lifting in this death section, I have to say. I like them.
1: I like them. What's next? Give me the next section that's not so, food
0: related, surely.
1: There is, let's do a couple of these oddballs here. There's burial at sea. In the United States, it is what? legal to be buried at sea. There are private companies that do this. It costs anywhere from $500 to $2,000. Anyone can be buried at sea, whole or cremated, but all um, materials must be biodegradable. So anything that's used during the burial process. This
0: is my nightmare burial. I'm not joking. Is it? I have, yeah, no, there's no way I could have a watery grave, (laughs) essentially, isn't it? It's no, because I've got a horrible fear of sharks. So that is just, no, don't feed me to the sharks when I'm done. No, 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 no. Fair enough. That's a hard no from me.
1: Okay. Well. For those of you who might be interested, we know it's not Sarah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but it's, is it good for the environment? I guess it is because it's giving your nutrients straight back to the environment and it'll get broken down pretty quickly, I'd imagine, as well.
1: Yes. I don't know. And we can touch on this a little bit. During the cremation process, if you have things like a pacemaker and I believe other metals in your body, definitely a pacemaker, they have to be removed prior to cremation because it can cause massive issues. I'm curious if the same is required for sea burials because I don't think you'd want to be putting metals or anything into the water, but I don't know. Interesting. There are different laws around this. Again, it is completely legal in the United States. You do need to file for it and all this kind of stuff. Um, Depending on where it is, depending on what state, the body may need to be weighted. It must be conducted at least three nautical miles from land and in waters of 600 feet deep or more.
0: Because what happens if it just catches a current and heads back to shore? That's pretty horrific, (laughs) isn't it? It would be. That must happen. That's not that far. Three nautical miles. You know, a bit of a storm. You haven't weighted it down enough. And then bish, bosh, bash, Auntie Mary's you know come up on the beach that that's a nightmare situation i'm i'm just putting it out well, there i don't people. think she's just popping back up on your at your house i mean, <laughs> I mean that's not just not one for me maybe I mean.
1: it's maybe it's for someone who always wanted to take a cruise and never got around to her. oh yeah there you great. go auntie mary she loves that stuff oh gosh we are going to get so many comments on inappropriate language use in i hate show. mail
0: is what you're looking for there <laughs>
1: Okay, so the other two kind of not cremation related are, and this one is not technically available yet, but I wanted to include it because it's been heralded as like one of the newer technologies that we're going to see happen, which is the Swedish company called Promesa. They're experimenting with freeze drying, which is so fascinating to me. Okay, so the body is dipped in liquid nitrogen, right? And then it is vibrated until it breaks up and then those pieces oh, can be God. buried in the ground, used for fertilizer, whatever you want to do with it. I thought it was so fascinating. It's
0: fascinating, but how much do they have to pay you to work in that factory? Because that's got to be slightly traumatizing to watch. I it's can't just... imagine. Well, you don't watch it. It's not like it's out in the open. They're just oh, rolling okay. people around. you just got this vision of some person on the manufacturing belt or somewhere watching a body being vibrated into a thousand pieces it's just horrific no imagine right.
1: it's in a closed container yeah, but if you think sorry. about it i mean it's kind of the same as cremation right someone yeah. has to be doing these practices you're right
0: you're right i've just got like a very vivid imagination oh,
1: great okay <laughs> right. i'm gonna the stay away one. from that one all right so no burial at sea and no freeze drying for you
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay so and mountains. like i said It's not available yet publicly. I I think privately too, it's not available. So let's just put that out there. The other kind of non-cremation one is you can donate your body to science. The best known facility is at the University of Tennessee. It's called the Forensic Anthropology Center. And a lot of people may know it as the Body Farm. Essentially what happens is you can either donate to a university or research institute or you can donate to a medical facility to have your body studied. At the Forensic Anthropology Center at University of Tennessee, this actually helps in a lot of crimes. So they'll put bodies out in different exposures, so maybe direct sunlight or under a certain type of soil for a certain length of time, and they're actually able to study the body to help both in medical science, but also for solving things like cold cases.
0: That is quite amazing. But I'm not sure, even with my theory that when I'm gone, I'm gone. I still don't know if I want to be just left out to see how long it takes me to decompose.
1: But if you think about it, that is what natural burial is about. Just in this this regard, you're just helping science. In other regards, you're just helping a forest. True. You're know, you doing both at the same time for medical. There's different facilities, different research institutes, and you can specify and work with them for quite a few. So you can know where your body's going, what it might be used for. It's actually quite fascinating, in my
0: opinion. I'm on the fence on that one.
1: The other one we didn't talk about burials is recompose. Have you ever heard of this? No. Recompose is actually a bit newer. They've been around for a couple of years. They are super popular. It's a company out of Washington state. And I will just say up front, the cost is um, $5,500. You can buy a membership and pay in installments.
0: I'm not opposed to a bit of planning.
1: What they do is your body can be transported there if you're outside of the state. And they put your body into what is called a capsule inside of a greenhouse and around your body. They include things like hay, alfalfa, wood chips, essentially things that will aid in the decomposition process. Your body will break down in about 30 days, after which it creates about one cubic yard of soil.
0: But that's the ultimate to me. I'm turning into nutrients for something else. But can you use that? It's not disgusting to put that around your tomato plants next
1: No, and there's two practices in here. Recompose and then there's also aquamation where people have said they actually feel much more at ease with it because they know that they can then take their loved one and they can go on to help grow something. So you could take the soil home if you wanted, which people certainly opt to do. The other option is Recompose works with Blue Mountain Conservation and Mm -hmm. the soil is used to help repair vulnerable ecological areas.
0: Oh, no, no. I like this one. I like this one. But this one sounds similar to what I kind of had in my mind, which was I wanted to be turned into a tree. So I have seen, I don't know where I've seen it, but a little pod that you end up in and you're kind of tucked into the fetal position. And then you're planted with a tree on top of you. Yes. This is the one that I thought I would like to be. Can you tell me if that's a nice eco option or if I need to start thinking about being thrown out to the ocean in my my (laughs) most horrific nightmare?
1: Start becoming okay with that? The tree pod straddles burial and cremation. So that's like the perfect segue. I do want to say before we move on to that, that right now in the United States, human composting is only legal in three states. I believe there is a fourth state which is pushing for it now, which I find strange. You can be buried in a mushroom coffin. You can be buried in a mushroom suit. You can be buried in a shroud, which you naturally compost, but you can't actually willingly compost. Like you can't decide. I don't know all right yeah. tree pods so the company that does this i believe they're italian it's called capsula mundi the cost is 500 dollars, but they have different products you can buy sarah i was a little disappointed when i started researching this
0: no uh, one it I'm- sounds cheap which i'm in for and i like
1: the name <laughs> of the company here's the deal i saw this a couple years ago when they were still in their concept phase And all the graphics they showed was you in the fetal position in a little egg under a tree. I assumed, I don't know why I assumed this, that when your family or loved ones, whomever, got your capsule, the tree was attached to it. It is not.
0: I'm confused. What, you're just given a fetally shaped capsule and then you can bury it yourself or what are you supposed to do with it?
1: Hmm. Yeah, you bury it where you are allowed to bury it and you put your tree on top of that. And again, the idea is that as the body breaks down, which the capsule helps to do, your nutrients are feeding the tree. So
0: There's still some purpose to the the capsule then, right? So you it's still yeah. doing what I envisioned. I'm just not getting a free tree with it.
1: Right. (laughs) Probably a good thing because then you're not planting invasive species anywhere. You get to pick whatever tree you want. So that's Mm. good. What I don't know is how would that differ than just being buried in a shroud underneath a tree? I don't know if the capsule provides any specific nutrients to aid in the process. I don't know that.
0: But so let's go back to that. Can I just be buried in a shroud though? Surely there's some kind of Council limitations that don't let you do
1: that. It varies by your local laws and jurisdiction. So, for instance, mm. I learned through this research process that in Massachusetts, the state I'm in, you can be buried on your own land. You do need to get permission. And I'm sure there's whole wetlands and all sort of setbacks and all these different things, but you can, with permission, be buried on your own land. Now, would that go a step further to say you can be buried, but it has to be in a casket? Does, can it be in a shroud? that's where you start to get into those nitty gritty details that and why we can't cover all of them.
0: Well, that's a really good point because when I think about being made into a tree, I don't want to be just made into a tree somewhere random. I want to be in a tree that is attached to somewhere that's special to my family. I didn't actually take that into consideration that I'm not sure that I could actually, you know, bury my own body in my backyard. So then it takes you back to maybe the composting as an option because you get that done elsewhere and then you can still be scattered around at home.
1: Mm-hmm. Or green cemeteries. There's a huge rise in green cemeteries. And green cemeteries are going to vary. For some, you could do trees. For some, it's just burial without anything synthetic, toxic. It, it all really does come down to what's available to you. So okay. is that
0: all of our, our options that we've got? Oh, of- no. Oh,
1: no, no. Technically – eco-friendly cremation. Okay. This is the one I find the most interesting. It's called aquamation or it goes by a couple of different names. It's aquamation or alkaline hydrolysis or resomation or water cremation. So pick a name.
0: None of them sound good. I'm just going to be honest because it's got the word water in there.
1: I feel like this is not going to be for you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You're already giving me alarm bells. (laughs)
1: So it can cost up to $4,000. The average is $2,000. It is not available in every single state. And remember how I said we were going to come back to the Catholic Church? This is where they come in. Amen. In New Hampshire, aquamation became legal in the state. But there was a lot of pressure from one congressman. I believe he came out of Illinois, though, and started this whole campaign to essentially say that aquamation was irreverence to the body. It was, you know, we weren't treating the dead with any kind of sensitivity. And the Catholic Church got behind this just like they did with cremation. And so two years later, New Hampshire actually rolled back the law. I do believe it's available in about 19 states and more allowing this to happen. What it is- Your body is placed into a stainless steel container. It is then filled with a mixture of water and an um, alkaline solution. And then heat is applied and the body is gently vibrated, Sarah.
0: There's a lot of vibration in water. (laughs) There's a lot of
1: vibration. What you're left with is a combination of liquids because, again, your body's water. So Mm -hmm. you're you're left with liquid and then you're left with the bones, which can be essentially ground down or powdered down from there. And you get, quote unquote, ashes, which then you can do whatever you want with. There was a heartwarming and heartbreaking story at the same time of this mother whose son had passed away. I believe he was in his mid-teens. And he was terrified of fire. but wanted to be cremated. And his mother didn't know how best to honor his wishes. And they found aquamation. And what they loved about this is it was water-based, but then the family could take both the water and the quote-unquote ashes. And they used the water to create a memorial garden for him. Then they um, took the ashes. And I, I don't know if they kept them in an urn or scattered them.
0: You've got to find a way that honors the person that's gone and yeah. there. Bushes and that's that's a very special story.
1: Oh, yeah, okay. remember, in um, we were talking about embalming that the wastewater is you know it goes back into the sewage systems. Yep. If for some reason you don't want the water from a water cremation, it can very safely go into the sewage system. So that's the eco cremation version, and then from there you can decide if you want to do a biodegradable urn, the tree pods, you can do. The uh, ashes. I'm going to keep saying ashes because I don't actually know what else you'd call it. What do you call it? Mm, pulp. <laughs> pulp. <laughs> That's not what I want to be called. i sorry. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone <laughs> wants to be called pulp. Do you get ashes? No, I got pulp. <laughs> um, pulp. Is it real or is it
0: pulp
2: fiction?
1: Uh, <laughs> I'll just say ashes. You can take the ashes and you can do biodegradable urns. There's water urns where you can keep them. Like They're made from biodegradable materials, uh, plant materials, cellulose, things like that. You can keep the urn as long as you want. As soon as it's put into water, it will biodegrade. And then the, uh, I guess, last option is a coral reef burial or what's called like reef
0: balls. You know, I mean, it still sounds like my nightmare, but I'm
1: liking where it's going. Tell me more. <laughs> this one's actually a bit controversial. I'd say it's the yeah. arguably the most controversial. Essentially what it is is your ashes, hopefully done through something like aquamation, which I should also add only uses 10% of the energy that traditional cremation uses, and there's no emissions. So winning on that mm-hmm. front. So you take your eco ashes. Oops, they, slash pulp. <laughs> slash pulp. Mm-hmm. They're combined with a concrete mixture to form a ball which is about five feet tall, six feet wide. Okay, but that doesn't
0: sound good. Concrete's not good, is it?
1: That's the controversial part. So concrete uh, accounts for about 8% of the world's CO2 emissions.
0: And so we're winning with one hand and taking away with the other.
1: Yeah, what ends up happening is the reef ball – is put underwater into fragile ecosystems to prevent further erosion. What happens first is algae starts to grow on the area, then the fish start to come, you know, the little things that eat the algae, and then the bigger things that eat the little things that eat the algae, and so on and so forth. And they've seen some success with it. Now, the, the $100 million
0: question. What one would you go for now that you've uh, researched this in such depth?
1: I would have two options either a complete natural burial like shroud no no container whatsoever like just give me a shroud if I have to have one otherwise just dump me in the ground or I would probably go with aquamation and go back to my original plan which is to mail my pulp out to different people in the world so they can spread it (laughs) in the most beautiful places that's what I'm going with Love it. (laughs) what are you going with after all that
0: I'm not swung away from the tree pod, to be honest. I quite like the idea of the tree pod. I think I'm sticking that. Second to that would be the custom-made mushroom suit, just because I can have Old McDonald playing at my funeral, something along the lines of, Old McDonald made a mushroom infinity suit.
1: C-O-E-I-O. They're going to reach out for marketing, I know it, for their new jingle. They're going to hire you. Oh, yeah, you.
0: I know. <laughs> I'm wasted, I'm wasted.
1: Well, with all that, Very fun death, destruction and upcycling, I would argue. Mm -hmm.
0: The ultimate upcycling, I think.
1: It really is. I really like that more and more people are considering and wanting green burials. I think as a result, we're going to see more legislation in support of it. So that makes me very happy.
0: I think also it's one of those weird situations in the green world where it's actually slightly cheaper to turn to the green option because the traditional burial is running thousands and thousands, whereas some of those options, you know, work on a shroud and bish, bosh, bash you're done.
1: It's is that to your to challenge for next week? Make your own shroud? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God, that could be my life project now. I'm going to be really thinking about what my shroud looks like. I'm thinking of all those things that I can't actually recycle well that I could incorporate into the shroud, like the pill boxes that I've discovered that you can't actually recycle, like an aspirin tablet thing. So, but I, that won't break down. So I can't make it into something that I'm going to wear in a shroud anyway. You wouldn't let me do that, would you?
1: No. But I have this picture in my head of you sitting there knitting day after day, year after year, and your kids going, "What are you knitting?" and, and you saying, "You'll see. <laughs> You'll <laughs> see."
0: So and I'm note. gonna knit
1: it into
0: the shape of a giant mushroom as well
1: here's my playlist and here's my shroud the rest is up to you <laughs>
0: this is what you've got
1: to work with
0: that is the script I love it perfect, perfect. oh that's look.
1: all right so speaking of challenges your challenge last week was composting and finding out what the process was in your area how did it go I think I'll play
0: the audio first because there's highs and lows in this one. I'm not going to lie. It's certainly challenged the guilty part of my greenie. So I'll let the family do the talking. This week's guilty greenie challenge. Did anyone actually notice any changes in the house? The green bin in the kitchen. My guess is that we have to put all of our food recycling in the bin. Do you know if... Eggshells count as food waste. Yes, they do. They do? You can recycle that? Do you actually know why we need to compost our food waste?
2: Because if it goes into landfill, then it's not in uh,
0: ideal conditions for decomposers to survive because there's not enough moisture and oxygen, which means that they won't recycle the nutrients back into the natural environment. I didn't know that. Do, uh, so we've been... England
2: stuff what's cool, actually. Sure, carbon cycle.
0: So whoever's on the table after dinner, you have to put the food waste into the bin. Where is it? But only food waste. Do we think we can keep up the composting?
1: Possibly.
0: Josh. Yeah. Josh, why is it that right beside the composting bin I can count one, two, three banana skins? Hmm? Mister, I'm going to save the planet. So I'm about a week and a half in composting has been going okay Uh, but this morning i went to change the bag and uh, got bin juice which i can't stand and then i remembered how much i hate it and that's why i stopped doing it but i'm sucking it up because obviously that is a first world problem and there's bigger issues ah what have you just done seriously what have you just done
2: oh sorry (laughs) <laughs> the strawberry's in the wrong part of the rubbish bin. For it's goodness sake.
0: Seriously, said. it's right
2: there. I oh have no, picked it's out so changing much. The food. habits
0: of 45 years. So there you go the highs and lows. It's quite a long one this week. Apologies.
1: It was really good. Though. I feel like it, it really captured the yeah, enthusiasm, yeah. the knowledge, but also the kind of day to day, like, oh, uh, I didn't really think about it. I
0: wanted to take you on a journey.
1: I feel like the banana peels next to it is not so much a judgment of not wanting or being able to recycle. I feel like that's more telling of a teenager just not picking up.
0: You realize that the person at the end of it was my husband who was continually just putting the food waste in front of me into the other bin and I was just (laughs) losing my mind. Every time I opened the bin, I was like, seriously, it's right beside it. Just You're millimeters away from putting it in the right been but anyway the biggest win I think of it was two things firstly that Josh is actually learning something at school that was mind-blowing to all of us that we actually knew the process and why we had to do it but the second part of the challenge that you gave me was that I had to go and find out where my garden or my food waste goes
1: right what happens to it
0: and I was thinking oh I wonder what this is gonna be you know there's put it in something really unexciting and blah, blah, blah. It breaks down. But I went onto their website and actually I was so surprised because it kind of goes through the process. And this is what it says on the website. Your food waste is recycled by biocollectors. Here it is anaerobically digested, decomposed in the absence of oxygen in a controlled system. The process uses naturally occurring microorganisms to break down the organic matter in a digesting. That sounds gross. A compost like product used as a soil conditioner and fertilizer on the farmland. Okay, so that's all the sciencey bit. But this is the bit that I thought was interesting. The biogas that is produced from that is fed into the national gas grid. So the energy produced from recycling food is provided straight to homes and businesses, helping to reduce the UK's reliance on less sustainable energy sources, such as natural gas, a fossil fuel. That blew my mind that it went back into the national gas grid.
1: I thought that was great recycling. That's what a closed-loop system should look like. That's exactly what it should look like. We're taking something we absolutely need and we're seeing it all the way through in terms of Mm. providing for energy needs while also providing for the thing that we need in the first place in terms of soil. Yeah. Brilliant.
0: Is that something that's normal? Would that happen in the US? Do you know if your compost goes back into – well, you probably don't because you're on a farm –
1: Yeah, I don't know. We don't have composting bins, like curbside bins where we are. It's not a very common thing. It's becoming more so, but still not. I mean, we're on the farm, right? So everything that can be composted is so that we can use it in the following seasons.
0: I have to say it was a win this challenge, the composting challenge, in the fact that Oh, I love that little fact that I feel like it's going in a little circle of life. So I'm definitely obviously going to continue doing it. Um, I will put up with the bin juice.
1: You can put it in the freezer though. A lot of people put their compost matter. in the freezer. What do you mean? The problem was that the compostable bag
0: kind of composted before it got out of the bin and that was the issue. So I think my lesson is just to do it quicker and just to do smaller amounts of um, <sighs> of waste. But yeah,
1: anyway. So- What I do is – and there are different types of countertop composting. So there's vermiculture. There's just the typical composting like what you're doing where it goes out to your um, bio collectors. Mm
2: -hmm. What I
1: do is I actually have a bin in the freezer. So no liners, no nothing. And then Mm -hmm. I just toss everything in there and it almost immediately freezes. So it doesn't smell. There's no juices. There's no nothing. And then when I'm ready, I take it out to either – the compost pile or to the animals
0: that is brilliant I like that uh I've got no room in my freezer but if I did that's exactly what I would do with it exactly
1: (laughs) I feel like one of the highs though was Mm -hmm. Josh learning or you learning that Josh is learning this in school right
0: (laughs) I know I was blown away that just came out at the table when I asked and I was like oh what he's just making that up and then it started to make sense and I was like oh I think you're right so yeah it's great School's working.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What were some of the other highs and then what were the lows? Well, I think that's
0: pretty much it really. The lows were the bin juice and them not putting it in the bin. And then the highs were the fact that Josh was learning something at school and that I discovered that it was in that little nice cycle. What would be your
1: guilty greeny low points? Oh, it's definitely around food we're getting ready for thanksgiving i do really try to cut down on excessive packaging and food and with the run-up to thanksgiving it's become very very difficult um and this mainly has to do with dietary restrictions so things like pie crust could i make a gluten-free you know dairy-free yada yada pie crust i absolutely could Am I going to make six pies from that and spend two days doing it? I am absolutely not. So I will be buying the packaging. And I feel torn about it, but at the same time, that's Yeah. I think
0: that's one of the biggest devils within this whole eco-sustainability space, and that's time. We just don't have the same time, do we, to do all these things that we could do, but we don't have the time.
1: Right. But hopefully – guilty greenie is giving people options so if you knew nothing about green burials now you may have heard one or two and want to learn just about that instead of having to dive into the entire thing and feeling overwhelmed by it all
0: so what was your high point then
1: i guess one of my high points is so the weather's been getting colder so we've been cleaning up and you know preparing for winter outside and this year for the first time i cut my lavender and i dried it to use as natural fragrances around the house. So I don't use candles and things like that.
0: You're actually dead to me right now. That is the one fragrance that would make me never walk into your house. It's so offensive to me, Lavender. It's a no from me.
1: You know what? Before we get to the challenge, I just want to say we started off on the same page and as (laughs) this show went on, we have gone our separate ways.
0: We have. We're learning lots of different things about each other, aren't we? I don't like water burials. You like lavender. I mean, crikey. Uh, So Mm. tell me what you're going to hit me up with because I'm a bit nervous about this week's challenge. You've given me zero clues.
1: Depending on the type of person you are, this could either be the easiest challenge or one of the hardest challenges.
0: What do you think it's
1: going to be for me? Hard. I think it's going to be hard.
0: Oh, shit. Does it involve swimming?
1: No. No. It actually involves (laughs) sitting in front of your computer or phone, your choice, whatever you want. Okay. Your challenge this week is to eliminate everything except for the important emails in your inbox and unsubscribe from any unsolicited emails that you get. That's your challenge for this week. Okay. But how is this green? So every time you send an email, it's approximately – Four grams of co2 and of course that adds up very oh very my quickly god are you joking i didn't <laughs> know this was another minefield i had to wade through oh it's massive the amount of emissions from email and just tech in general <gasps> but email is massive and then every time you don't delete an email it's sitting on a server space Gosh. somewhere it's taking energy to just keep it there
0: i'm probably responsible for a couple of ozone holes with the amount of stuff I've got sitting around.
1: Your job is to like Marie Kondo your email. <laughs> that's All right, I'm on
0: it. I like it. I like it.
1: <laughs> Perfect. And that's everyone else's challenge for the next week. And what are we talking about? Well,
0: I think we had a conversation just briefly about looking at travel and, you know, we've been in COVID for so long now and the impact that it's had on the environment, it's, Undeniable, It's been actually good for the environment. So I want to see if we can look at the ways that maybe we can take some of those wins that we've had from not traveling because I cannot give up traveling. It's one of my absolute cannot live without.
1: I'm I'm right there with you. Travel is not something I will willingly give up at all. There are eco-friendlier ways to travel and we can discuss all of that. With that... Join us next week to see if Sarah accomplished her challenge and for more the good, the bad and the laughable as we tackle our own sustainability journeys exclusively on Fireside in the Climate Collab Auditorium. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Guilty Greeny. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share, rate and leave a five-star review on Apple. It helps others find the podcast and get the climate conversation flowing. Guilty Greeny is an independently made podcast. So if you would like to support the podcast, please go to buymeacoffee.com backslash Guilty Greeny. The more support, the more content for your ears. Follow us on Instagram at Guilty Greeny and join us in tackling the Guilty greenie challenges. Make sure to share your experiences, the good, the bad, and the laughable. We'd love to hear from you. And let us know what topics you want to know more about. Until then, stay Curiously Green. Bye-bye.
0: And now here's a sneak peek at some other fabulous podcasts we think you'll love.
2: Hey friends, I'm Michael, host of the Murder Mile UK True Crime Podcast. I would be delighted if you joined me every Thursday for a walk through the untold, unsolved, and long-forgotten murders of London's West End, featuring hundreds of fascinating true crime tales you won't hear anywhere else. If you're looking for something different, the award-winning and highly acclaimed Murder Mile UK true crime podcast is researched using the original police files. It's presented as a dramatization Each episode is crafted as a labour of love, and it focuses on the victims' lives in an honest, detailed and sympathetic way. Season 5 has just begun, so why not treat yourself to more than 150 episodes? If that sounds like your cup of tea, search for the Murder Mile UK True Crime Podcast. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much for checking it
2: out. Science! 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 science. Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions.
1: Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes! Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes!
2: Yes!
1: Can a roller coaster really kill
0: you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes!
2: Mm. Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we
1: examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible
2: and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast.